Welcome to Refirement Life, the podcast for anyone navigating life transitions or planning to make life transitions to ensure your next years are your best years. Listen in for insightful, generous, and sometimes humorous conversation. It's time to get fired up with Christine Zamuda and Muge Wood, your hosts for this latest episode of Refirement Life. everyone. It's great to be with you again. Uh, Today's uh, episode, we are going to focus on portfolio lifestyle. I am really excited about this um, term has uh, really come to my attention. I started learning about it recently and looking forward to exploring it with you. Um, And the specific topics we are going to cover today is what is a portfolio lifestyle that appears to become uh, more important, especially in the second half of our lives as we we um, diversify our interests and uh, look for uh, meaning and passion in all that we do. Um, we are going to also do something very cool today, which is to flip the script a bit, um, interview uh, my co-host Christine and her two colleagues um, on a great endeavor they started, Magnet Labs. Um, not only that, but um, these three individuals also um, exemplify portfolio lifestyle. So we are going to hear directly about their um, experiences. And finally, as we always do, we are going to talk about some practical actions and steps we can consider to lead a portfolio lifestyle um, to continue to live meaningful and joyful lives. Um, So, um, you know, let's talk about portfolio lifestyle. What is that? So this is uh, a term that has been coined by the business guru, Charles Handy, uh, as early as 1989 in his book of Age of Unreason. And, and portfolio lifestyle is essentially... Um, He says, you know, we are already leading a lifestyle of different activities and interests, some we do for money, some for passion, some for a cause, whether we admit it or not, we are already living portfolio lifestyles. However, there is a way by which we can bring some more intention to it to make the most of it. The other thing that is also, I think, coming to prominence very, very clearly is the playbooks that perhaps our parents uh, used uh, may not uh, apply for us or or, or for sure our children um, in this current era of change, whether it's economic, political, technology, um, where portfolio lifestyle can be a guide um, for us to um you know, build our lives where change is constant. At the time, Charles Hende wrote this book as early as 1989. I can't get over that. He predicted a good part of it. And he said um, by around um, 2030, which is not that you know far away, over half of the American workforce will be freelance. And also it's going to be quite common for people to change jobs every five to 10 years. And I think we are seeing that change even more frequently, right? Every couple of years, we are changing jobs. We are taking on different opportunities. So um, to exemplify this concept, what are we talking about? I am going to uh, introduce our guests today, um, starting uh, with Ganesh. Um, Ganesh, in your own words, welcome. And uh, please tell us a little bit uh, who you are and um, what you do. Hey, Mugit. Nice to be here on this podcast. And uh, again, a great topic to be talking about, right, in this 
this current economic conditions. Uh, so I have been fortunate uh, the last 25 years to have the opportunity to be part of different types of companies. Uh, and two of them had a successful exit. And for the last five years, I've been helping CROs and CEOs help accelerate their growth, mostly at startups and nonprofits across across different verticals, right? So fintech, healthcare, uh, consumer business SaaS. So, <clears throat> so all of this is kind of, to, to me, this, my life has automatically become a portfolio of opportunities, right? So the learnings I get from each one of them is enriches me and also enriches the rest of the people I work with. So, so excited to be here uh, with Magnet Labs launching this initiative. And there's a lot we can all offer uh, to the industry and to the community at large. Awesome. Terrific. Thank you, Ganesh. Cannot wait to hear about it. I think uh, we know when uh, brilliant minds and portfolio experiences are applied to um, timeless topics, good things mm -hmm. happen. So looking forward to the conversation here. Um, uh, Alex, welcome. Um, let's please hear a little about you, your background and uh, what you do. Thank you for having me, everyone. Um, Alex, my name, I was born and bred in Vienna and Austria and Europe. So I'm the foreigner in this group here. Um, yeah, how did I become a portfolio person? And I must admit that portfolio term just recently hit me. I was never really aware of that because I always lived and breathed it in that way because of all the interests I had. But um, when I went out of school, I didn't do much. I, I just worked in a video store until someone told me and said, hey, Alex, what are you doing with yourself? 80, 90 hours a week in a, <clears throat> in a shop that you don't own and uh, what are you going to about this so so I actually one night I applied for a job and it was in a big American software company and I got the job and I, it was on a, on a just short-term contract three months as a vendor and uh, they still haven't got rid of me after 17 years <laughs> but um, in that time I also learned of course I, I was uh, applying for a job in these three months and I was always pushed away from HR and uh, I noticed at that time that I had different interests not just data analytics I had interest in process I had uh, interest in these and um, yeah I started studying in the evening and I had a good mentor as well who said well don't just collect certificates or pieces of paper do something with that paper apart from killing a fly on the wall and um, that's what I've been doing so far. And uh, whenever I, I learned something new, I wanted to turn it into action. And that ended up now a few years later with um, yeah, teaching at the university, giving back what I've learned also from the experiences that, that I gathered. And um, yeah, sharing the thing and see what other people do with this. And I like to like that term, my mind is like a spreadsheet um, uh, editor, <laughs> a lot of tabs open. <laughs> and sometimes I'm here, sometimes I'm there because of the situation at the moment. Yeah. And uh, what you said before that the portfolio lifestyle is growing is is really real right now. Also, not uh, just from the economic perspective, but also from, from a diversity perspective and lifestyle we lead. Not to say about the last pandemic we just went through, which was not just a drama, but give, gave us all also a lot of opportunities. 
Fantastic. Well said. Well said, Alex. Uh, when uh, I think um, uh, even if we stop now, I love what you're saying. Um, I'm just going to remember, I think, for a long time how our minds can be like spreadsheets. That is an excellent analogy. Um, so, Christine, my very dear co-host and friend, any words on this topic and, um, uh, you know, a little context and intro for you? Sure, sure. So for for the new listeners who haven't heard my background in the past, um, a, a couple things. I've spent uh, 30 plus years in corporate America, mobile oil, uh, Microsoft, uh, did spend some time at Yammer, which was a startup. And in those um, positions, which are both, you know, individual contributors and, and leadership positions, I had the opportunity to work with a lot of um, startup products, startup services, uh, startup ideas, both helping um, organizations within Microsoft, but even more importantly, outside of Microsoft. And I think what uh, Ganesh and Alex both alluded to related to this portfolio life is you have themes in your life, skills that you're uh, interested or drawn to. And for me, creativity was always a, a huge pillar. So I was the person who could think of out of the box ideas or or make connections in an organization that weren't otherwise understood and bring them together for, for uh, something bigger. And we're, we're finding um, that, when you're thinking about a portfolio lifestyle, anchoring on those passions and thinking about, well, how how can they be of service to others uh, and how can they keep me learning and growing is, is a good way to start. So for my own portfolio lifestyle, um, I you know had the corporate experience, um, uh, built an abstract uh, art practice, which you know all those creativity themes carry over both in that as well as um, the corporate world. And also, you know, the more recent podcast, right? That's been just uh, a fun way to keep learning and growing and um, trying something new. So when you look at those three things, when people ask me, well, what do you do? And there's another term called a multi-hyphenate. You're like, and this came out of the arts, right? People would say, well, I'm a, a playwright and actor, or I'm a screenwriter and producer. And now in the professional life, we're seeing things like, well, I'm a, you know, podcaster and co-founder of a company. And it's it gives us more canvas to work on and uh, and explore. Yeah, terrific, terrific. Um, that's interesting. Call out the uh, multi-hyphenate with some roots to art. Uh, when I uh, reflect on portfolio notion, um, I think of investment portfolio initially, right? The age-old wisdom: uh, you always diversify your investments. Don't put your eggs in one basket. Um, and uh, you know, we all generally get that. And applying that to lifestyle choices, um, in my mind, implies a potentially life of abundance and richness um, that comes with, um, uh, you know, diversity of activities. So um, so I'm looking forward to this. Um, and maybe I was doing something good and now put a name to it. So I'm excited about that, this portfolio <laughs> lifestyle. Um, so um, I think um, 
Let's switch a little bit. Um, Christine, Alex, and Ganesh, um, you guys recently got together and uh, founded um, a pretty amazing um, endeavor called Magnet Labs. Um, I've seen the announcement, really excited, um, which also is a pillar in the portfolio lifestyle we are talking about. So, Christine, I will ask you initially, um, what is uh, what is Magnet Labs? Sure. Thanks, Mugay. So, I think the way to summarize it simply is, you know, we are a differentiated research and learning experience company with a focus on making the workplace a better place. You know, I think we all know that the rules of engagement, the experience that many employees are having right now is is very different. The the playbook has changed. And what we aim to do is help teams and organizations, you know, ideate, innovate faster, but really importantly, provide cultural reinforcement that help those ideas survive and thrive. Um, There's three pillars that we're going to talk about that we know are essential from our experience working with companies to scale their ideas Um, working with those organizations to help their teams be really healthy and productive. And we're drawing on neuroscience to back these pillars and, and help them be, you know, more cemented in the culture so that when we leave the innovation, the ideas can persist and thrive. That's terrific. And uh, that sounds to me like a timeless topic that drives um, not only the opportunity, but also how we can connect with one another um, at a more deeper, uh, meaningful level. Um, So, Ganesh, um, I would love to hear your perspective on why this matters now at this um, point in time. Yep, yep. And it's very interesting, right? So for, for those of us who have been 40 years or older, you've seen a couple or maybe two down cycles, right? Uh, but this time it's somewhat remarkably different, be it COVID, be it the great resignation, or be it the, the remote remote work culture, be it, be it the being always on on a, uh, on a collaborative system. Uh, we're seeing that this is the perfect storm of increased pressure that businesses are facing on growth. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of employee fatigue that's going on. And also there's a there's somewhat there is a lack of real human connection, primarily because all of us are being remote. Uh, we are going after Zoom or Teams call back back to back. And there is a real need to build that human connection. And the gap in the middle is that the, the management's ability to execute because being remote gets tougher and tougher. So that's, that's why we at Magnet Labs, what we're doing is that we are guiding teams, organizations, and final leaders to build practical approaches in the current environment with which they can build trust, they can spark innovation, and ultimately create business impact for their customers, while at the same time reviving the magic that used to be in a workforce and in a deep working culture. Yeah, magic. I love that. Keeping the magic at work in the way we connect with one another, and not only when it's convenient, but especially when times are tough. Um, Alex, what are your thoughts? on why this matters, why it is important. I I think it matters very much because we've seen a shift in the last decades, how we work. We're not pilgriming into a building that's called office anymore. 
It can be because of a new generation. It can be because of a disease, of a pandemic, etc. It can be because of a black swan event. It's just suddenly like this, we, we asked to stay out, like in the 70s, the oil embargo. Um, and this has to, we, we need to adjust to this, that the companies can't just stop producing, providing services, because uh, although we, we love to just have more time for ourselves, we do need to drive a certain innovation and, and move forward. So it it is really important to have a continuous process of improvement, certainly, but also of innovation, of driving um, and generating ideas, not just putting people into a room and close it off and say, so you come out when you have a good idea. How can you do that with people who sit scattered across the globe? Because you just have the possibility with the technology nowadays to really pick the right talent, no matter where the person sits. Also from 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 a gender perspective, we have so much more opportunities from a female side to apply for jobs and still take care of our families at the same time. So this is something where we have more opportunity from a professional, from a company perspective, from a business perspective for finding and locating the right talent. But then we need to initiate, of course, that talent, that diversity, that different cultural background, mentality um, to drive on one string but also then still pursue the company strategy. Yeah. So there's a company approach and a personal approach that, and that's where Magnet Labs really can step in and support both perspectives. Um, I, I think uh, you said something, um, uh, Alex, quite um, uh, profound, but uh, it's about making it personal and the yeah. intertwined nature of um, our lives, right? It doesn't abruptly end at work and our personal life doesn't mm -hmm. abruptly end, um, you know, at work and vice versa. Um, and, but the beauty of it, like you said, is when some of the limitations are lifted, when we can seek talent anywhere in the globe and provide a flexible framework in which um, people can thrive, what does it do, right, to the creativity, to the opportunity? So exciting. So, um, Christine, um, with Magnet Labs, um, how are you guys thinking about um, igniting this engine and helping um, organizations of all sizes realize that promise? What, what is the approach that you are, you are thinking about? So our, our first phase, we've launched a global research survey because it's important to look at all career stages, all geos. Um, we're also trying to capture all industries to include education and government, which are sometimes stripped out of, of the mix. And the goal here is to get a, a pulse on the work culture as it relates to innovation in today, in the now. And as we curate this research and do the analysis, we are, are backing it up with some of our learnings, you know, all of our um, collective experiences and in, in helping leaders and organizations thrive. But we, we take this benchmark and start to use this against our um, our, our customer who is interested in, in doing more and really finding out, okay, from what um, the benchmark says and from what we know about these three pillars, where do you stand and where do you want to dive in for the most impact? And we take it a step at a time. Um, and the goal here is really to uh, have both a, a personalized approach, but at the same time, be really cognizant of those three things that make 
a a culture super successful and um you know, in, ensure that we are having the business impact we know is there when those things are employed. I, I can't wait to hear um, the insights and the results of the survey, which, by the way, I had a chance to participate and thank you for providing that opportunity. Um, and hopefully more and more people partake in that. Cannot wait to hear the insights. Yes. Um, I, I Th- thank you for that. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and we will yeah. have the survey link in the notes okay. so that others can can participate. We We certainly want your feedback. Yeah, we want to be part of the solution here. Um, so, um, Christine, in the introduction uh, of the Magnet Labs, you mentioned three pillars um, that particularly the work is coalescing around creativity, agility, and compassion, and how they can be fostered and uh, work with one another to um, make our lives fundamentally better, you know, who wouldn't want to work at a place um, who exemplifies um, and puts those principles in motion. Um, So let's start with creativity. That is the engine behind essentially prosperity uh, and uh, opportunity. Um, How do we know um, that best ideas are being surfaced? How do we cultivate creativity? What are your thoughts? Yeah, and there's so much to cover in this. So I'll just touch on two pieces. And and for those who are interested in learning more, we have a newsletter that goes out, you know, each month and we spend some time talking about this particular thing. And that is um, ensuring that your best ideas are not suffocated by groupthink, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've all been in a situation where you may be brainstorming an idea and perhaps um, the person who is the highest title, all of a sudden people surface around that person's idea because they're in a position of power. Um, you know, there's, you know, it's just some team dynamics or there are situations where the where the group is too large and you're not actually getting some of the best ideas from people who might be more introverted, right? How do you pull them out in a in a in a purposeful way to make sure that the organization can tap into their talents? So two things, we try and encourage divergent thinking and we have ways to, you know, get those ideas across. Really important when you're thinking about um, how neuroscience plays a role in creativity. And when you get divergent ideas, it just unlocks a lot of opportunity. And then secondly, embracing novelty. We have the opportunity to inject a little play into the, the workplace and into creativity and idea building. And when you do that, there's also not only um, uh, a bigger human connection made, but also you're unlocking a different part of the brain that helps you, um, you know, surface some of your better ideas that wouldn't otherwise be, you know, readily, readily accessible. Yeah. Um, Maybe we do need to really get away from the uh, expression of great minds think alike. Right. right. Um, I I think um, I I think you may uh, enjoy being around people who think like you um, as friends, maybe, uh, even though we could also even challenge that notion. But I think that old adage that does not hold true. Let's not do that. Um, Ganesh, uh, if I can now get your perspective on the agility component, Um, you know, what does it mean? How often? 
empowerment decision making needs to be revisited for corporations, organizations um, to achieve agility, because without agility, um, good ideas may not come to life soon enough to make a difference. Well, there you go. Uh, you're spot on, right? So, so neuroscience shows that our brains have a remarkable ability to adapt and learn throughout life. And we can see that in the kind of small businesses that are set up. Innovation comes from people right out of college. And uh, a lot of businesses are developed and flourish when people start a new business at the age of 50, right? So our mind is constantly able to adapt, grow, innovate, create new business models throughout our life. And as, as Magnet Labs, right, we have the ability to be a neutral third party where we can encourage a growth mindset within the organization. When employees are willing to embrace change, they can learn new skills, continuously improve, and most important, they feel safe to fail, right? The whole culture of experimentation comes in. Uh, this, uh, this is the adaptability that will foster agility and also enables organizations to respond very quickly to market shifts and challenges, uh, to new entrants in the market, to new business models. And the agility also means quick decision-making, right? Neuroscience tells us that if we are flooded with too much information, a lot of times CROs, CEOs have like a hundred dashboards. That is information overload, right? That slows, us, slows our ability to make quick decisions when all you need is two or three core metrics that can tie to a team or a set of individuals and you can really align individual employee purpose around those two or three metrics. And again, that also provides the clarity and the clarity to do provide impact with a decision making framework that considers both not only the cognitive, but also the emotional factors within a team, within individuals. And all of this can lead to more agile and effective and faster response. And back to the culture piece on agility, uh, we, we as Magnet Labs can help leaders create an environment uh, of safety, right? Psychological safety. And we find that the, our, our brains respond positively to environments where individuals feels, feel safe to take risk and to experiment on a day-to-day -day basis, right? And, and what this does is the secondary aspect of it is it, it opens up lines of communication, constructive feedback, and a willingness to experiment and and leads to agility and innovation in general. Right? So your organization behaves as one, right? You can move faster, <laughs> you can make decisions faster, you can you can leverage the information that is coming out of all your systems in a more precise manner. Yeah. I think, uh, thank you, Ganesh. You said a key operative word in all of this as well, which is willingness to experiment, willingness to be open and uh, sit with the discomfort, if, if you may, with the differences um, and uh, celebrate and bring that forward and create the environment for those ideas um, to be brought up and then have it, um, have an environment where those can be acted on and the cognitive overload that we are all dealing with these days um, is just astounding. Uh, whether it's businesses, personal information, we are never short of data. 
that data is not the problem, our ability to process it is. And someone told me recently, um, uh, he said that he's worried about the rate by which information is being created with AI, right? Now, a bunch of emails can be drafted and sent automatically at accelerated pace. And then he said, well, I'm not too worried about it anymore because I also have AI agent that's going to respond to those emails. So we are just going to do the AI volleys back and forth. Um, where I think these principles we are talking about become even more important to create and put into action the unique human um, component um, into all that we do. So speaking of unique human component, Alex, uh, I, I will turn to you and get your thoughts on the uh, lust and um, very important pillar, compassion. Um, what is it? Um, how does it work, uh, you know, scientifically speaking? <laughs> yes, you're not. You're not. You're not talking to the real. You're not talking to an AI, AI person here. You're talking to the real person here. Yes, Alex, <laughs> are you real? Please give us an indication. <laughs> yes, I'm the real person. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah, um, it's Alex, not Alexa. Okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah, but but I'm sure. Possibly, we offset a lot of Alexas at the moment. But um, <laughs> I think looking at creativity and looking at agility. Uh, to bring this out of a person and we've all been every person has been in a managerial position because we all handle home we all handle our private lives with a partner without partners so we're managing something we don't have to be in a corporate lifestyle we do something and we manage something and when you do that already from the early days you do notice that if someone trusts you you accelerate you accelerate much faster mm -hmm. um and this trust also can be triggered through a compassion. Um, and I don't want to think, I want, don't want to call out how many leadership styles there are, no matter which way you look in literature, there are everything from four to 11 or 12. It's not the parental one, it's not the um, uh, over caring one, but it's compassion. It's the, the listening skill sets that we need to develop, which we develop over years when we, when we pass through life. The, the older I get, the more I listen to everyone. The younger I was, the less I listened to everyone. And we, we, we noticed these things. But when we look at it from a leadership perspective, there are principles that can be taught. No matter which national background you have, if you're from Austria like I am, my compassion in Austria would look possibly different than the one in America. Um, and, and so on. So, but there are basics, basics that can be taught to help accelerate other things, especially when it comes to, to sharing feelings. Yeah. But at the same time, when we talk about compassionate leadership, being also authentic. If you are not authentic and if you just do it because you have to, this there comes in again the willingness that Ganesh mentioned before. You need to be willing to, to change something, to change something maybe with yourself by listening in our courses, by going through our workshops, to digest them, ask critical questions as well. But there are basics that can be taught, that can accelerate, that can bring you to the next level, then set a new standard and bring you then again to the next level and set another new standard. Yeah. It does also say, so when we come from a very scientific point of view, that neuroscience says that this hormone called oxytocin, I think you mentioned that in one of your early podcasts, if I remember correctly, you're already at number 14 and I haven't caught up in a while. Um, you mentioned that uh, that that hormone that that triggers then it's also called the trust hormone that release when, when released people experience trust and compassion i was in my early ages a bit 
skeptical if, if that can be taught, but yes, it can be taught. Yeah, own experience taught me different. Yeah, uh, but through magnet labs, we may be able to open a few doors that you were critical before that you thought and can't unlock them because I'm just like I am. <laughs> yes, nobody asks you to change your personality, but maybe reconsider certain things and see things maybe from a different perspective. That's where the whole compassionate item and pillar comes in. I think, um, thank you, Alex. I think that gives us hope also. Hope in the sense that um, we can um, build upon and um, grow our foundations and, and we are not tied to the predicament of our DNAs forever, right? We can learn, we can work with our mind, we can be intentional. One thing, Alex, that caught my mind when I was uh, looking at your LinkedIn profile is uh, you have a PhD as well, which um, is uh, huge, right? When I see that in any topic, I'm like, okay, this individual is committed, committed to learning, committed to a certain level of discipline to have this. Mm -hmm. um, just curious, what is your PhD about? My PhD, oh, that it, it came a long way. And <laughs> my PhD was about the impact of remote work uh -huh. on change management in the era of a pandemic. So it was looking how organizations from one day to the next handled their teams. How did managers were able to, who always used to have their teams sitting in front of them, how were they able to encourage them, to motivate them, to continue? How were they able to balance? Let's say if I had I had colleagues who all of a sudden had in a 60 square meter room, two kids, five dogs and a family to look after and just one table for, for working. How how did that shift work out well? So that was that was my investigation. Wow, amazing, amazing. But uh, it, it, it also looked at it from, from the perspective of the Nowhere Office. And I can highly recommend a book called The Nowhere Office. So you can ask the internet who wrote it, uh, which really reflects on how our life changes with the changes of the office. I don't have to be at home to work. I can be outside in the garden. I can be in the car. I can be in the supermarket and have a comp call and stuff like this. So that was a bit of, of, of the stuff I investigated. That's awesome. I am so glad um, you and, and Ganesh and Christine have been looking at this topic deeply because I think uh, it continues to be very relevant. Uh, and now that the landscape has shifted, we are not going back to how it was. We are going to move forward and uh, make it so that um, it's an environment that we can thrive and we are working through the um, transitional phase for some companies where presence may have been equated with impact and output and it doesn't have to be. Um, so our time is winding down. This is a huge topic. We are not going to cover everything in its complete depth. That's why um, you guys founded the Magnet Labs to look at this um, more deeply. Um, as we wrap up, I, I will call out um, some um, uh, you know, collectively uh, practical steps uh, we can all consider if we want to explore portfolio lifestyle. And as I was reflecting on this topic, this one book caught my eye that I would recommend. Uh, this is by Christina Wallace. It's called The Portfolio Life. And, and she actually uh, talks about four key benefits 
of portfolio lifestyle. It's identity, finding your identity um, uh, in multiple different ways, not just tying to a um, 30 year corporate career like was the um, concept of uh, older times. Um, optionality, having options. Um, we talked about the investment portfolio. Things change outside of our circumstances. When one thing falls apart, how do we make sure we easily shift to something else that brings us passion, purpose, and joy? Um, diversification, we talked about that. And with diversification, I think as you guys have been calling out, there comes the benefit of it intersectionality, meaning multiple endeavors we may have in our portfolio may collide and create a level of impact that may not have been possible before, Christina, like your art, our podcast, and Magnet Labs. You know, there are some connection points there. And finally, flexibility, uh, being able to live the life uh, living our best life on our own terms. Um, so as we wrap up some practical steps, um, uh, if uh, our listeners are interested in portfolio lifestyle, I think taking small steps to explore that are completely possible, meaning, um, you know, you don't have to completely pack your house and move somewhere. Um, you can experiment and explore this while still being employed. Um, pick an area that um, is joyful that you may be passionate about and uh, included in the portfolio over time. And as Christina Wallace says, maybe, uh, you know, give it 85% of your attention, not the you know, usual 110% uh, in everything that we are asked to do. Um, and, um, uh, and, you know, talk to people who may be um, a little further in that journey, just like you guys are. Um, uh, Christine, any other thoughts um, to um, uh, take steps to explore portfolio lifestyle? Yeah, I, I think um, there, I mean, some practical things. If you're still working, um, many employers have what they call their moonlighting policy, and you can take a look at it and say, like, can I actually start this now? And typically you can, if it's not a direct conflict with what your uh, employer is offering, as well as, you know, provided you keep your performance up, which was always going to be um, something that you need to do, right? Um, I think doing that, and like you said, um, not eat, sleeping, <laughs> uh, drinking, living your your first job seven days a week you can actually start something, try things a bit, see what you like, and then get a get a running start for when you're ready to make a, a bigger change in your life, you have some experience. So I think that would be something I would offer the audience. Yeah, thank you. Um, Ganesh and Alex, um, any other um, thoughts from your experiences for our uh, followers, subscribers to learn from? Yeah, and I think, Mugi, you brought that up before, right? Going with intention, I think that's a key here, right? Because we have all have limited time in a day. So moving with deliberate intention, and of course, rest is very key. Make sure that you get the rest you need. Uh, rest is not a reward, but it's a requirement, right? <laughs> Yeah, completely. Because when we talk about portfolio, we are talking about um, an implied juggling of activity and shifting gears from one task to the other. And, uh, you know, you don't want all of these things to blossom to, um, you know, work you to the point of having absolutely no time. Um, so, you know, you gotta got to manage that. Um, Alex, um, any thoughts from you in closing? I think for me, it was always the most important thing to be bold. I, I have 
people who were like, how how you make, how you do this? How how many hours of the day do you have? I have 24, you have 48. And I said, no, I just try it. And you always, you don't always have to do it yourself. I had some good friends who did uh, portfolioing through their children. Yeah. Um, driving something through someone else because they said, oh, I, I don't have the time. I have to take the two with me. And they did it together then. Yeah. It doesn't have to be another um, big venture or something, but it can be also just starting with sport. Yeah. And so just be bold, just do the first step because the first step is the hardest, but what you receive back is just so rewarding. And then everything will go easier after this. But um, awesome, awesome. So there's some uh, very practical steps we can take to explore, which is the whole point of retirement uh, without um, major upheaval and making adjustments, tweaks um, to make room to grow in those areas. And then, you know, maybe we can put away our phones time to time, stop the scrolling, and uh, that should free up a little bit of time um, for us to, uh, you know, um, look at our creativity, our passion, our purpose. Um, and, you know, it, it's a daily investment, um, you know, investment in ourselves. Um, so um, thank you so very much, Christine, Ganesh, and Alex, for being our guest today, sharing your experiences of uh, building a portfolio lifestyle and uh, the latest uh, venture of Magnet Labs. I cannot wait to hear uh, all the insights and learnings you are going to um, bring to uh, organizations of all sizes around creativity, compassion, and agility. Uh, thank you so very much. Um, and thank you, our listeners. Uh, bye for now. Till the next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Our hope is to spark a little joy inspire, and educate our listeners in ways to live an even more meaningful life. If you have reactions to share from what you've heard, please visit our website, refirement.life, to leave a voice message. You may even be featured in a future episode. To keep in touch, subscribe to our podcast, Refirement Life, using the podcast player of your choice. Always remember, you are never too old to set a new goal or to dream a new dream. Thanks again for joining us on this episode. Until next time.